The best episode yet is here. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Network for our finale coverage here of the Amazing Race Australia season four, season one, question mark, because uh, we have some stuff to talk about, about what season this is and <laughs> whether or not next season could be season two or season five, who knows. But we are here to talk about the finale week of the Amazing Race Australia. Who would have thought we would even make it this far? I didn't think we'd... Be guaranteed to do weekly recaps. Well, here we are. We've committed. We've stuck through it. We've done all of them, all six weeks of recording. And we're here to cover the finale week, which is so much drama, so much action-packed moments, a lot of tension, a lot of puking, uh, and some blind you know, twists that we didn't see coming. But we're here to break it all down. I'm your lovely host, Rossi, joined by my companion, Coco. And I'm here with Teddy and his companion, Jared. Jared, welcome. Thank you. It's it's good to be back. I can't believe that the season is already over. Um, it has absolutely flown by. Um, and yeah, excited to talk about um, these two episodes. Yeah, this uh, double episode a week thing really... Uh, changed it up, made it really quick to get through. The season was super fast, and it, it it worked. I mean, I don't know if this would be the ideal format going forward, but it worked so well for at least for us. Yeah, I think, like I said before, I think it definitely works well if you have a season um, that is a bit slow at times or, or leg to leg is um, a bit up in the air, whether they're good legs or bad legs. It really um, covers that fact and you're able to move on from bad episodes and it works really well um with the non-elimination legs and getting some sort of resolution um at the end of each week yes and having not elimination legs pre-planned and sort of sort of stacked in there accordingly made it exciting and and see how they kind of coordinated things like that it was really it was well done and i don't know if that was pre-planned well done or they just kind of said oh this is what we're stuck with let's make it work uh, but it worked out well. We loved it. The season went so quickly and never felt like it dragged at any point because even if the Monday was slow, the Tuesday was action packed and you were waiting for the next week to come. Yeah. So and and ex- most importantly of all, we kept the same time slot um, <laughs> for the entire season. So uh, good on you, Channel 10. But did they keep the same viewership? <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to that. Oh, no. Uh, uh, one thing we should touch on before we even get started into these uh, two episodes is to talk about that um, I saw online that they were teasing that casting for season two is is out. So get your applications in. Um, is, the, is this season four or season one? What is the, what is your argument on this one? I think this is season four. 
um, which makes me a complete hypocrite when it comes to Australian Survivor. But the time between uh, the first three seasons and this one, um, it wasn't as big of a gap and it doesn't feel like a completely different show. So, um, yeah, definitely season four, um, mainly in the hopes that, as I've said before, that when we get All-Stars um, in two seasons' time, uh, that we can bring back the Italian sisters, the big W ladies, um, just the stars of, of those previous seasons. Will you be uh, applying for season five? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, why not? Uh, season five, Australian Survivor, just whatever comes up. Big Brother, I think casting close, but, you know, maybe late last-minute application. Um, uh-huh. Anything that's going around. Uh, if they bring back uh, that wall show um, <laughs> where they drop the ball, um, I'll, be, I'll be on top of that straight away. Yeah, or, or maybe uh, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here, maybe. Mm-hmm. You're a big celebrity over there, so why not? Yeah. But that's exciting, at least on the possibility that we could be getting another season of the show. Even yeah, though we definitely. Didn't expect it at all. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, definitely pleasantly surprised. Uh, especially with how, like, as soon as the episode was was over, it just wasn't even a question. It was like, okay, next season's a go-ahead. So um, obviously Channel 10's happy with the ratings they've been getting and think that they can kind of build on that and make it kind of a staple of the, um, of the network. Well, it's been pretty good. You know, we had complaints, but we're here to do complaining. At least I am. So... Uh... But we'll definitely get into some complaints this episode because I think we have a few things that kind of raise some eyebrows with us. So let's just get right into the first episode, episode 11, the penultimate episode of The Amazing Race. Um, And it started with unprecedented information where they told us start times. Yeah, the the, the start times were back again. Um, for better or um, most definitely for worse. Um, the two-minute intervals were back again and they reared their ugly head and it looks like uh, they're here to stay and it makes you question the entire race. I feel like for sure now every single leg was a two-minute interval. Um, we even got finishing times as well. So uh, listening, I think, to the fan feedback a little bit, but um, maybe it was better if we were kept in the dark and there was some semblance of an advantage of finishing near the top of a previous leg because evidently you only get rewards um prizes for winning um only on three of the legs and then other than that you just paint yourself as a massive threat and you don't get any time advantage from doing well the leg before yeah you got your wish for having these start times but uh I got yeah, lots yeah, of wishes this this past episode. The start times, um, the U-turn with the team being eliminated. But, um, yeah, I, I take back anything that I wish for because none of that was planned out properly or worked the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say that the two-minute start times probably have been a consistent throughout the race. We just didn't have to deal with it until they said it and then they put it in. Uh and then obviously, I have also suspicion that there may have also been other prizes that we just didn't get to see because of the way that they've cut things. Maybe there were more. Like, I know that it's low budget and kind of for their first season that they were going to put out all the stops. But I have a strange feeling that there may have been more prizes that we just didn't get to see. Do you reckon? No, I don't. I don't, I don't I'm like, why wouldn't they show that, though? 
And to me, that like it's two seconds extra of screen time to say you've won one thousand dollars on your Banquest Halo rings, and all the sp- uh, the prizes are coming from their sponsorship as well. So to me, like you think that would be part of some deal that they have, and they'd be wanting to promote their sponsors at every uh, possible opportunity. So no, I think it was just low budget and. Um, it's it's one of kind of my pet peeves and hope that they uh, address that um, in season five. Season two. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> uh, in terms of the actual episode, because obviously that was kind of a major thing that we were like hoping to have the start times and all that kind of stuff, but sort of we get our first little sense of airport scenes. We haven't had many of those throughout the season. They sort of just kind of arrive in the country, but this time they started off with talking about uh, the potential U-turn vote. I don't know if they teased it yet, but they were talking about kind of the alliance that was formed, the three other teams, you know, against Tim and Rod. Obviously, we're all working together, and they talk about, oh, making sure that they're still the top three and, and sort of stuff like that. I don't know if this is where they were talking about the vote yet, but they were sort of collaborating, making sure that they were the kind of three going through, uh, kind of, teasing a little bit the the fact that who gets you turned to the end but were you like uh again for like tim and rod like they're gonna get you turned again or something like were you just fearing the worst at this point uh well i was spoiled at this point because 30 seconds before the show actually aired they decided to run an advertisement and i'd avoided everything all week and then the like two ads before the show starts airing they air the preview of the leg and they spoil who gets u-turned in typical channel 10 fashion who wants any suspense in the episode um so at this point i knew what was coming but um they definitely um set it up well and put in some misdirection which questionable why as to they would put in misdirection when they've told you the answer beforehand but um <laughs> no it was definitely good, good to see the airport scenes and a little bit of this um and we'll probably get to this moment later on at the end on the mat where there was no lying that took place at all um yeah it was fun it was fun to see and i think good to set up a um alternate uh u-turn team but like I said, the fact that you would air an ad right before the show that um, details of what happens throughout the episode is just <laughs> like the mind boggles at that decision for me. Yeah, they've not been good on this season in terms of uh, uh, keeping things under wraps. They've kind of spoiled the outcomes of many episodes uh, well before they even aired. So, Yeah, I think just um, keeping it very simple for the um, block viewers that they're trying to convert. Um, but maybe not so great for the actual fans of the show. There was a moment in the episode, in this kind of airport stuff that was going on that I was, you know, on hindsight, I thought was really clever because I think it was one of, I think it was either Jerome or Jasmine or Viv and Joe, I couldn't remember which team said it, but one of the guys on the team was like, I hope these boys don't take it too harsh or too rough or anything like that. And I hope that we can still be friends after this. And like, that was just like a, quick line that you're just like oh they're talking about tim and rod but like they're talking about the alliance that they're sort of breaking apart just for this for this moment and i thought that was a really nice thing that they added to to add a little bit more suspense and a little bit of drama although if you watched it live in australia you wouldn't have had that 
Yeah, it was interesting too that we only uh, got the scene between uh, Tom and Tyler and Jasmine and Jerome and we didn't see any of Viv and Joey's involvement in this and they really dodged a bullet in some way and it didn't seem like Tom and Tyler were as upset with them at the end of things. Um, So I don't know if that scene just didn't exist or but it seemed very much like every team had made this agreement that it's definitely Tim and Rod at this point. So, yeah, moving forward into the episode, it was interesting to see how everything unfolded with the vote. Yeah, one thing that they obviously hid from us is probably a conversation between Viv and Joey and Jerome and Jasmine where they probably decided to say that we're going to do this because the last time we had the U-turn vote, you know, Jerome and Jasmine were the only team that really sort of debated going for Tom and Tyler. Viv and Joey seemed set, like, no, it's going to be Tim and Rod. This time they actually, that, that was the most surprising thing of it is that Viv and Joey actually committed to this swap vote because we already knew that Jerome and Jasmine were willing to do it. So obviously we missed a lot of their input on the decision and, and sort of conversations that happened throughout the episode. Yeah, it was definitely uh, the right decision, I would say. But um, yeah, interesting too, because I was like, to have, like, I just feel like it was a really poor race decision to have uh, a U-turn in general, I suppose, this late, but then making it a U-turn vote two episodes after the last one with only four teams left, I felt was really unfair and um, kind of took away the element of Tom and Tyler's social game this late in the piece. But um would have been nice to see a 2-2 tie here and see kind of what the process they would have gone about with that, whether we would have had a double U-turn or, or what would have happened there. Yeah, and obviously you talk about it since it being a vote instead of a traditional uh, traditional style of U-turn to get to the board first. It, it really is interesting the way that they did it because obviously like since we're so close to the end we're at the last leg before the finale and and you're really like trying to fight as hard as you can so it, you, it's hard to say what is fair because like if you're looking at it from kind of initial outside perspective you're like tim and rod are kind of screwed either way because the vote seems like the alliance will just go against them and then if you're looking at the other way the traditional format it just seems like Tom and Tyler will get there first and you turn them anyway. So it's, it's hard to say like what is right. Cause I, I like the U-turn vote, but I don't know if it's necessarily fair at the final four of the race. Yeah. I just felt like it was really too late and I didn't understand the point of bringing it back so soon after the last one, just this whole leg kind of irked me the way it was set up and the challenges themselves in terms of, overtaking possibilities it just felt really poorly designed and i'm not saying it was was intentionally made to get tom and tyler out but it felt like whatever team was u-turned um really had a slim chance of coming back um based on the challenges and, and the way things had been set up yeah, but we will get more to the ending of how this sort of all sort of shaked out. Uh, but one of the first challenges is their uh, classic root info task where you have to go, they have to go to the market and they have to eat three, <laughs> talk about record, but three century old eggs, which I remember talking about way back when on The Amazing Race Oz. I don't know if that came back to you but i just remember having conversations about century eggs but james said eat these colored century eggs in the market 
um, added twist was that it had a there was a sudden downpour and teams were trudging through large puddles to get to the shop uh, but uh, Jasmine in typical fashion struggled to eat another challenge uh, and some other teams got through it really quickly but Jasmine was kind of by far the standout of these uh, of this challenge yeah definitely I thought this was it was fun to have another eating challenge I liked the navigation component of it as well with teams being lost and it seemingly be, being particularly hard to find you can tell that everybody was so serious at this point because there was no apologizing from Jasmine she's done with being um, sensitive and culturally appropriate she doesn't care that she's about to vomit and like gagging in front of these people she just wants to get to the end there's no time for apologies at this point yeah, she was uh, not apologizing for gagging in front of the woman's uh, storefront, uh, which was so it was such a missed opportunity. She's, she should have apologized and thanked her for being in their country or whatever, like she normally does. Uh, but it's always, yeah, like you said, always fun to have a super a, a crazy eating challenge, especially in these uh you know, Asian countries where it's like the delicacy that, you know, Americans are usually like, oh, I can't believe they eat that or they, they're crazy and stuff like that. Uh, I did think it was really funny when Viv and Joey uh, arrived and they're like, yeah, we kind of grew up with this. We never ate it because it was gross, but we we were familiar with it. Uh, a little bit of an advantage, although they never technically ate it before, but it's a fun little moment there. Yeah, definitely. They smashed uh, out the challenge. So um, evidently they didn't know what they were missing out on growing up. Yeah, they could have had this for years to come, but they uh, maybe it'll be a staple from now on. Uh, after this, they have the detour, which uh, was a detour. Uh, we had the water challenge or the wheels challenge. The water one, which is memorizing landmarks along the river there, and then the wheels was assembling uh, tuk-tuk, tuk-tuk, or whatever the vehicle yep. was. I think it was a tuk-tuk. Yeah, and sort of adding all the decorative elements, making sure the tires were on put, and all those things. Uh, surprised at some of the choices that were made here. Like, initially, Tyler and, and Tom went for the water challenge, which seems like, are they going for a memory challenge? Like, it just seems like they'd want the physical boom, 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 get it done. But they went for the memory challenge, which, I mean, worked out for them because they were first done. But obviously they had to do their U-turn. And then in terms of the wheels, like, I was surprised that a lot of teams went for that. It just seemed like such a harder challenge, a lot more details, a lot of intricate stuff. Like, teams spent so long there. Like, at one point, all three teams were there at one point, like Tim and Rod. Jasmine Droma and Tom and Tyler were all there at one point and they were talking about how awkward it was at the conversation um, that the guys were there and then Tim and Rod left and it was even more awkward and everything. None of the teams would talk to each other. Uh, and we also got classic Tim and Rod asking uh, if they got voted for again. <laughs> it, didn't, it wasn't quite as good as the peanuts from, from a few episodes ago, but it was still, still a fun moment to have. Yeah, these challenges were interesting because with both of them, 
I think they read more difficult on paper than, than what we saw on screen. I thought teams were definitely going to struggle with the memory challenge. It felt like 12 landmarks was quite a bit to remember and then the different sides of the river and splitting it up. Um, but everybody, nobody had any issues with that. And I was sure we are going to get teams doing that multiple times. And then the tuk-tuks as well, nobody seemed to struggle with putting it together. We've definitely seen more difficult versions of this in the past. It was hard to tell um, how much attention to detail was needed, whether the lady was just... Um, ticking off anything that had used all the parts or if it had to be exactly the same as the example like it was hard to tell and it seemed like it was just as long as you've used everything to decorate like that's fine it was no the flower has to be in this position at this angle on this part of the netting so I would have kind of liked to have seen both of them be a bit more difficult and um yeah, no real, apart from the U-turn coming into play, no real changes in the order uh, throughout these challenges. Yeah, it was, we never saw that woman, you know, judging the the task. She just, like, kind of, like, can we have a check? And then she just gave them, gave them the clue. And it was just like, all right, they're done. Like, we never really saw any sort of judging, like, oh, this is right or this is wrong and, and stuff like that, which obviously would have made it a little more complicated. Um, and we hardly saw any of the, the river challenge. It just seemed like it was kind of passed off, like, oh, okay, I'm going to look at those. I got those, and you got those. They tried to add in some drama about, you know, I think some of the teams were sick from the eggs. So we're like, oh, I'm feeling sick, at, like going on the boat. But, like, we never really got too much out of that. The main thing that I wanted to talk about was um, the way that they kind of handled the – the U-turn results, like, because they were, like, leaving us in suspense, like, ooh, how do you know if you're going to be U-turned? And, like, so, like, when Tom and Tyler, with the teams that we get U-turned, they have to, like, follow the the man who graded the water assignment. Like, they, has to, they have to follow him to this part of the dock where the board is that they were U-turned. It just seems like a messy way. Like, I would so much rather... Like the teams get a clue and then go somewhere and realize, oh, they've been U-turned. Like, cause then it's messy. You have like, say Tim and Rob were U-turned. Like would, they would have to move the sign into the, the workshop that they were at. Like, it just seems a little messy the way that this was all handled. Yeah, it's definitely seemed weird. The placement of the U-turn board, the fact that it was so close to, um, yeah, like the water challenge, and then obviously they would have moved it if the team had picked the tuk-tuk challenge. Um, yeah, normally it is like just the next destination they go to is where the board is, and then they get to the board, okay, we have to go back to the other one. So it seemed weird to not have it somewhere where every team was going to um, get their next clue. Um, yeah, weirdly handled, and the guy leading them from the boat who kind of had no idea what was happening, um, yeah, it just looked weird on screen and didn't play out um, Yeah, as well as it could have been. And who, who knows what would happen if they chose the other detour instead. And it was a little awkward, too, because the guy that was leading them to the thing, like you could see that he was holding the clue for them to take, but then they just leave because they know that they have to do the other task. So he's just like standing there with a clue while they run off and ignore him. Just like, oh, they should have, this should have been a test on the, the, the uh, Amazing Race Dream Team or whatever. Like, this needed some fixing. Yeah, the only positive was that they didn't have to travel 
a mile out of the way to get their next clue and then travel all the way back to the other detour. So that was the one positive with how uh, limited options were to overtake during this leg. Um, It was probably a wise decision not to make them travel too far out of the way before they knew they had to go back to the other challenge. And I, I did kind of like the moment where Viv and Joey were arriving to do the, the water challenge and then the guys were leaving and they, they had that sort of little conversation about being U-turn. I thought that was just like a little annoying uh, talking about them handling it, but they were just like, I just like that moment where they had that interaction quickly trying to get it in and out. Yeah, it was good to see some confrontation during uh, the episode and the fact that it wasn't all saved for the pit stop because, like you said, at the Tuk Tuk Challenge, it was just that really awkward silence um, between the teams. So it was nice to get a bit of um, both sides of that throughout the leg. Yes, and then we get to the... uh... What I call the strangest challenge I've ever seen on The Amazing Race, uh, the roadblock, where they have to go under this bridge to give these old people their dentures, but plot twist, their dentures are mixed in a bowl of other people's dentures. It was just such an odd challenge. Weirdly placed, like this random like under the bridge section where there was like gym equipment or like fencing equipment or something. And it wasn't an obvious like landmark destination because on the way Jasmine and Jerome were like well lost. They even thought they were third when they got there, but they were last when they got there. And it was just such a weird challenge. I almost love it so much that it was so weird, but like this is is a weird challenge. Yeah, this was fun to watch and it was nice that it was uh, something we haven't seen before. I was kind of cringing thinking about putting dentures in people's mouths. Um, But again, kind of with the rest of the episode, my main complaint was like, where are you overtaking during this? Every team seemed to be kind of like in and out. Thank goodness for Jerome's, Jerome and Jasmine's taxi driver for adding some suspense to the episode because otherwise this would have been bam, bam, bam. Everybody gets there in the order that they've left the detour. Everybody leaves in the same order. Uh, and then we wouldn't have got the suspense that we um, ended up getting at that last challenge. Yeah. Fun challenge definitely did not uh, sort of help the episode along at all. Uh, but man, it was enjoyable to watch. Would, would you have done it if that was if that was you and whoever you were racing with? Would you have done this challenge? I think if I had the choice, um, which um, complaint incoming, I would have had because Amazing Race Australia doesn't seem to have a rule when it comes to roadblocks and how many you do or don't have to do, <laughs> then I definitely would have been passing this off um, to whoever I was racing with, uh, provided they could handle it. Although I will note that most of the time, like they kind of got close to the people's mouths and then the actual person was fitting it themselves. So it wasn't as bad as I initially thought, but just teeth and, and, and mouths just all... <laughs> And then the, the, the forest camera, like, coming into their face when they get their, get it right and they're smiling at it. Mm-hmm. Like, just editing masterclass right here. And then so kind of the next, after they get this, it's moving on essentially the, uh, not the roadblock, the, uh, the pit stop. But there's one final challenge, which is to cover the Ganesh statue in gold leaf, which... 
provided some difficulty for some teams. Uh, but I really liked having this sort of detail-oriented task right at the end, right before the pit stop, especially because it's in walking distance. It's not like, oh, you got to get the statue, go in a cab, uh, like Travelocity Gnome style. But they're right there. They know it's like five, less than five minutes away by foot, and they've just got to do this really detailed task, and other teams are there, and you can feel the pressure. I just really thought that that brought a lot out of the episode, especially when... No, Jerome and Jasmine think they're in third, but then they get there in last, and somehow they manage to overtake Tom and Tyler in this. Uh, they probably had a really shoddy statue, but they had it enough that they could move on, and then they get almost get lost, and sort of that all of that just it made it a really dramatic ending. And then obviously you got, oh my god, it's them checking in, and then the camera's there, and you wait, and then the team comes around the corner. It was just very dramatic. Uh, not the most entertaining, but it was really fun. It was fun to watch, and it brought out the best of the episode so far. Yeah, once again, another just root info task, um, bringing the goods here. Uh, thank goodness, because there wasn't much else to like about this episode. Um, but, yeah, this just turned out to be so much more dramatic and intense than I thought it was going to be. And we had um, the example, which looked great, and the teams kind of being approved just for anything where they'd covered the whole statue in gold. Like, it looked really shoddy, the work that everybody had done. Um, and then to add to all the drama, I had somebody at home saying that in the previews they saw that somebody forgot their statue, and evidently that was not true and it was a lie. But then the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody's going to forget their statue. Statue, and and I see Jerome and Jasmine like get it approved ahead of uh, Tom and Tyler, and I'm there, and I'm like, this is the moment they're going to go to bow at the pit stop and forget their statue. <laughs> Needless to say, that didn't happen, but I had that added suspense, which I think. Um, added another element to the challenge. Um, I loved the pit stop greeter with welcome to the Thailand um, and giving out the gifts and Bo's interactions with him again were great. Um, yeah, just completely unexpected. I thought for sure Jerome and Jasmine are like leaving. There's no opportunity to overtake through this challenge. It's just plaster the leaf on. There's no, it's attention to detail that it's covered, but there's no real, um, it has to like look properly and there can't be any overlaps or lines or whatnot. So um, big surprise with kind of how this all uh, turned out in the end. Yeah, it was crazy, especially, yeah, like you said, on this really standard, like, conventional, like, go do it, get it done, not too much complexity to it, like, you just got to kind of cover the statue and you kind of can move on, uh, maybe there's some intricacies of, of where you can do on the hands or the face or something like that, but not too much, uh, but to see it team get overtaken just by like seconds because they drum and jasmine called it second before the boys did and it's sort of the dramatic kind of running to the pit stop i couldn't have even imagined what would have i would have thought if i thought a team had left their statue back at the station uh i would have been panicking um but yeah a great challenge uh something funny about having teams do this like sit down like desk work chat challenge like right seconds before the pit stop uh but it was a, a great finish to the leg uh obviously we have a little bit more to discuss about the drama of the situation but yeah a great ending the kid was great uh we got a check-in time we got a prize <laughs> so much going for this leg at the very end 
Yeah, it was um, such a dramatic finish. And I think this worked It's so well having this real attention to detail, quiet challenge in a leg where you had this underlining drama from the U-turn and all this tension. It was like the talk-talk challenge all over again, but just even even more like enclosed, fiddly environment. So good challenge design for a leg that otherwise was terribly designed challenge-wise. And so we have to talk about this ending where... You know, Tim and Rod, they check in, they win. They were kind of ahead of the pack for quite a bit of the, the leg. So they were kind of out of it. Viv and Joey check in. And then, you know, Jasmine and Jerome, who just passed Tom and Tyler, check in, like, maybe a minute or so before the boys check in. And they are so, they're such sore losers. They are, like, devastated that they broke the pact that they thought they had friends in this race and they couldn't have uh, believed that someone would U-turn them like when they had this steady alliance, but they weren't upset that Viv and Joey did it. It was just Jasmine and Jerome who got the blunt of it. And Jasmine's crying. She's like, we did this for our son. I hope you can understand that we didn't do it because against you, but for us and all this stuff. And it was just... So odd to see Viv and Joey in the background, but them not be in the conversation because they're also in the alliance. Like, it was just a wild ending. And they, I think they said at this point, like Tom in a confessional or Tyler in a confessional was like, you know, we, we don't hold it against them. It's a game. But like their attitude was not right. It was just what a chaotic end. Yeah, it felt like it was... Um... I suppose just like the heat of the moment with all this, like, can't believe this happened. Uh, like, we don't have anything to say to them. Um, like, no comfort or like love lost between these teams at this point. And then, like you said, in the confessional, we get the whole, um, we understand it's just a game. So I think it just took them a while to kind of cool down. And I think being that close and being overtaken in a challenge where you're ahead and they haven't struggled at anything throughout the race and then they're under is just plastering gold leaf on this statue. I think it was just the perfect storm of emotions to lead them to being so upset. Um, I loved the moment of, um, like, we're not upset that you you turned up us. We're upset that you lied to us. If you just told us, it would have been fine. And then, and then Jasmine with her, oh, well, we we didn't lie to you. And I'm like, well, you, you kind of said at the start of the episode that you were U-turning Tim and Rod, so I think you did. But, um... Oh, yeah, just all the emotions, everything happening. The fact that this team that's been so strong throughout loses on, uh, like I said, painting this statue. And, yeah, like Viv and Joey just getting, like, out, not bearing the brunt. Obviously, that uh, relationship wasn't as strong um, as a relationship between the Deadly Duo and the boys. But, um, yeah, just a lot happening. The prize as well, um, probably the best prize of the season, arguably worth the most, I would say, randomly coming in here at leg 11. So at this point, we've had three different teams win prizes. Um, yeah, just a really interesting leg um having the u-turn so late um there being no real advantage to coming first in previous legs or finishing well above the pack in relation to like 
not apprise every leg and then also this two-minute interval and then making yourselves a threat. And then last week we're praising Tom and Tyler for having this amazing social game where they're able to downplay it, but then just having this U-turn so late in the piece, I feel like there was nothing really that they could do to avoid it. Um, But uh, just a dramatic ending to a leg that I absolutely hated. Yeah, you bring up some good points uh, that I definitely want to talk about in terms of kind of as we memorialize, you know, Tom and Tyler, effectively the best and strongest team uh, we've seen on the Amazing Race Australia in these four seasons. They won the most legs. They were their lowest position was fourth. They they never were really out of this, uh, you know, in elimination, uh, even though they didn't even make it to the finale, they have the best record out of any team ever. They they dominated, and I'm wondering, like, as the strongest team, like, part of me is a little upset they were eliminated because they were so good, and like, I feel like there was nothing that they could have essentially done better on this leg. They kind of ran a really good leg. It just ha- didn't wasn't enough. <laughs> But do you think that their fall comes from them or comes from the way that the show handled some of the twists and turns this season? I think ultimately it has to come down to them. Um, But I think it raises really interesting points about managing your threat level um, with the the U-turn vote being such a thing. I think obviously there's issues uh, with the U-turn in general. And if you're a threat, you're probably going to get U-turned. And if we have kind of a blind U-turn, the same with the U-turn vote, I think there's a little bit more incentive to go against um, people that you're with because it's more of a consensus. Um, You're not usually the only team taking the blame. But, yeah, it's just this whole idea now of, uh, managing your threat level and that I think has become a really big factor in the Amazing Race Australia with there being no incentive to finishing first like I don't know how you purposely don't finish first like I think that's a big risk to to like downplay and maybe like take a little bit longer or um, not go um, uh, all the way out when you're when you're close to the front of the pack But um, it's definitely something interesting to think about moving into the next season and whether kind of they make changes to there's the prizes for coming first. I just think there needs to be some big incentive to we want to be at the front of the pack and we want to stay there because at the moment with the two-minute intervals and no prizes, I don't think that exists. Do you think that there was a strategy they could have implemented or, or, or something they could have done, like perhaps, you know, intentionally lose more? Like, I don't even know. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, you don't want to go in losing, but like I'm trying to think of what they could have done in this situation that, that would have helped them because they were obviously the biggest threat. But there were there was no getting out of the vote because they were lied. Like, you know, there's nothing they could have perceived because they had that track record. So I'm not sure what they could have done. Yeah, I think they needed a bigger threat to be around them at this point. And um, Tim and Rod uh, just weren't threatening enough. I just feel like they played it like as well as they could have. The fact that two like episodes ago, there's this same vote and their alliance is able to carry them through. 
I just feel like they have a lot of social capital, but just having you turn this late in the piece, there's nothing that can like no alliance or bond that can really save you when it's a clear shot at getting somebody out. You know at this stage really that it's going to be an elimination leg too, so there's no... Uh, sense of okay whoever we U-turn is probably gonna stay in and they're gonna hate us and then like that might come back to bite us like I feel here there was just no um, reason for Jerome and Jasmine and Joey and Viv to not uh, U-turn Tom and Tyler well unfortunately for them the uh, was the eight legs that they won they could not clinch the win at the end and it you know it makes it so the finale episode even more dramatic i think this is probably one of the more exciting monday nights because you're going in without the front runners into the finale and you've got three you know strong teams but you know very different on how they've kind of run the race and how they've performed up until this point so like going to the valley is super dramatic did you have any uh random spoilers going into the finale or was it pure unknown i did not it was pure unknown watching so um i don't know if there were that would probably i mean there would have been finale spoilers i think it was just everybody um i knew that there was a parachute um but all the ads were just uh, making it out like um jasmine wasn't going to do it and tim wasn't going to do it um i didn't think viv and joey even really factored in any of the promos for the finale um so yeah the finale was it was decent advertising because it was just all about um the parachute which didn't really spoil much at all so um more of those type of promos less of the who's getting u-turn promos and no one whispered in your ear and something happens in the episode that didn't no, I didn't hear that somebody jumped without a parachute or um, <laughs> anything happened that didn't happen. There were no um, fake spoilers to um, add to the drama of the finale. And no one was kicked by a horse or anything like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody's dog left the arena. Um, yeah, nothing. Nobody got eaten by a crocodile in the when they were paddling the canoe. Um, yeah. Just pure watching um, Unspoiled, which was such a, a treat given kind of for the, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, it must have been a, a real gift for you and the other fans of the race that were just trying to mm. watch it without any spoilers. Uh, I will say that obviously uh, maybe you can touch on this a little bit more than I would have because uh, I have no knowledge too much, but they talk about uh, they put a message on the screen about kind of the native lands that they're going to be ending the race with or or something like that uh was this important significant how relevant was this to what has been going on in australia or anything like that yeah i think it was just really a really nice acknowledgement of the traditional owners um particularly i suppose in an area that um has a really rich history in that um and having like Jerome and Jasmine on the show as well, I think it was just another kind of really important step in representation and um, acknowledging uh, the history of the country. Yeah, and then obviously we get noticed that kind of at the beginning of the race that they're going to be going to the Northern Territory and there's a big discrepancy as one team is from there, the other two teams are not. And 
you know, there was one point in the episode where they're like, you've been like to get separately, we've been everywhere in the, the territory. And so I'm like, oh, is this going to be a huge hometown advantage? Like, are they going to know it? Like, obviously, we've had some teams in the U.S. like their final trips, New York. And, you know, someone's obviously from New York or something like that. But it doesn't matter as much. I feel like in Australia, it may matter more because it's a smaller place or, or something like that. So I'm wondering, were you fearing like, oh, no, they were going to have a huge advantage or anything like that? Uh, not really going into it. I thought that the like hometown advantage really feels like it comes into play when it's self-navigation or you're asking lots of people for help and you're trying to get them to not help other teams. And for it to be like hometown advantage, but to be like a whole territory, which is um, like, I suppose, the same as like a whole state. Um, it's not like it was like their home, like city or town. It's like this is just like somebody um, like me if I was on the show and then the final leg is in Sydney and, oh, it's my home state. I'm from New South Wales. So automatically I know everything about anywhere within like the state so i think given like the size and like the um amount of different challenges that they could do within the whole territory like there wasn't a clear kind of home advantage um here it's like if somebody i don't know like uh, if for like the American version, they finish in, I don't know, whatever some state is. And then the teams from a city within that state, it's like, they're not going to know every single place within the state that they can go to. So, um, I think it was kind of more of like a hype factor and to build up the suspense and drama than actually, um, really factoring into how the teams ended up. Well, they could have had an advantage uh, in their first root info challenge where they have the, the, NT News, which has outrageous headlines that um, they have to just they have to sort the challenge. They have essentially the challenges where they have to sort different headlines to find race related ones, like uh, you know, girl throws up on her birthday or stuff like that. Uh, I could I don't remember all of the headlines, but um, you know, Jasmine Jerome had a huge advantage because they they know about the historic and legendary NT News Network or whatever it was called. Uh, but this challenge was a mess, essentially. <laughs> um, I mean, teams were running all over the place. Jasmine was said in confessional, we were so panicked on the last leg that they were just screaming and running. Like, teams were like, newspapers were flying. Teams had no idea what was going on. Um, I love the moment when Viv and Joey say, is that a thing on the, the kind of the float in the water? And they're like, no, no, I think it's just a, a ladder or something. Then they walk away, and all the other teams are diving in the water, jumping. Uh, both <laughs> Jerome falls off the like float. Jazz is just like, hurry up, hurry up, go faster. <laughs> and then uh, Tim or Rod, I forget which one did it, does the same thing. Like, does a massive wipeout at the tower, and it was <laughs> such a mess. But it was so entertaining at the same time. Yeah, I think, like you said, this was kind of maybe the biggest hometown advantage. Uh, the fact that I suppose Jerome and Jasmine would have some exposure to that newspaper before and the types of headlines that they typed that they would run. And then, like, maybe they even remembered some of their actual headlines from the newspapers. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting way to do the, like, let's recap past legs. I thought at this point, obviously, that this is, like, the only recap challenge we're going to get from the episode. Um, 
But you, like you said, there was a lot going on, the papers being in all different spots. I don't think they really made it clear kind of what um, papers were exactly right and what ones weren't. And, and like, it felt a little like the um, question challenge where it was like, is every team going to know these moments? Because some of them were very specific with um, Sid and Ash stealing dumplings from the nuns, which to us as the viewers is presented as something that even the nuns don't know about. So how do all the other teams know about this moment that only Sid and Ash and the nuns are there to witness? Obviously, it's been passed on at some point, but we're not privy to that. So it felt weird in that sense. But I think overall, a really interesting challenge. Having the last paper being on this float in the middle of the water was such a random thing to add in, but it added in so much enjoyment. Like you said, with Jerome falling off, Jasmine not realizing and then cheering him in to the um, back to the bank while he's like winded and like can't <laughs> breathe. <laughs> Um, it was such a mo- funny moment and um, a challenge that the deadly duo really um, excelled at and, and managed to, to get ahead early here. Yeah, like I, like you said, the biggest complaint was like, not everyone knew this. Like, like how are a team supposed to know that Sid and Ash stole a clue from the quit in the quiz, and how are they supposed to know that they stole dumplings when literally no one was there? Like, some of those things like definitely need to be fine tuned in the in the next season or at least if you're going to do these moments like reference that like this moment happened like just let us know like like maybe when they're checking in at the pit stop after the first leg that the Sid and Ash are like hey we just want to tell you we stole some of your dumplings during the challenge hope you don't hate us it was just heat of the moment thing and then we'll be like why did they show us that and then we flash back like we think about this moment now and we're like oh that's why they showed us that yeah, I agree. It, it felt like the like the races and the audience had really different information at this point. That was there was like a real disconnect on on who knows what. And yeah, just have exactly just like a two second moment at the pit stop, or how on other seasons they'll have these moments before the teams leave, where they're just like lounging around like the hotel or a bar or something, and this story comes up and this has happened. It, it just felt like weird, and it's hard to know how the story got out, whether every everybody knew about it whether they're just kind of putting two and two together because it somewhat referenced the nuns and and food or um where the producers have told them that this has happened like where like we just needed a bit more transparency here yeah but interesting challenge i was gonna be upset if this was the only memory challenge because i thought that it wasn't necessarily the best handled for all the memory that we needed to do Although the actual memory challenge we got didn't tell us anything about what had to be memorized at all, uh, except flags and people. But anyway, we'll get to that. But the the next thing that they sort of have to do is that they have to go to this part of airfield where they have to take a plane and then jump out of it to get to this new town where they'll eventually get their new task. Um, Unfortunately, only two of the teams managed to do the jump because when Viv and Joey got in the air, it was unsafe for... Landing or whatever. I don't even know what was going on, but they had to scrap it and they had to come on and say, no team will be penalized because of this. They've all had the same amount of time. It was a little bit of a letdown. I felt like they still could have jumped. I don't know what was wrong. Uh, but we, yeah, like you said, there was some tension. You know, Jasmine might not want to jump. Uh, 
because she was she was the most nervous. She's like, I'm not jumping, getting out of the plane. Like it's her biggest nightmare and all that kind of stuff. Uh, enough drama to keep you interested. Uh, obviously, I didn't doubt for a second that she wasn't going to do it. Uh, maybe she was going to hold back a little bit, but she just jumped jumped right out. I don't think they really had a choice either. It didn't seem like the instructors were like, do you want to do this? It was just like, all right, do that. All right, now, and they push them out, and it's just sort of done. But, I mean, it's always fun to have sort of a jumping out of a plane or a bungee jump challenge in the race, and this didn't disappoint. Yeah, I think we needed, like, a spectacle challenge throughout this leg with some of the stuff being very kind of uh, local and I suppose location specific. So the fact that um, we got kind of this blockbuster challenge, I think was good to see. Yeah. When have we ever, like, has there ever been a point where somebody has been up in a plane for a skydiving challenge and then it's like, I can't do it. Like I, you need to like land back down. I feel like every time somebody's in a plane, like they're going to like be pushed out of it, um, whether they want or not. I feel like there's more of a choice in like bungee jumping when they're on the edge and then they can kind of back away. But here, like you've gone to the trouble of being all the way up. You're, you're strapped to the instructor. It's like, just put your legs out the side of the plane and kind of they do the rest for you. So, um, yeah, a lot of build up for not so much payoff, but, um, good, good to keep, I suppose, people interested and add in some suspense as to whether Jerome and Jasmine were going to still be in the lead at the end of this, uh, challenge. Yes. Such drama. Will she do it? Uh, she's crying and it's, it's dramatic. They should have used that in the promos, but they didn't, or they did. This is all the promos were, right? <laughs> Yeah, and and the fact that we got promos of Tim potentially not jumping, and then him not um, like even contemplating or, or being that worried about it um, at all, I thought was an interesting thing as well. Yeah, they try to spin it as much as they can, <laughs> but then they sort of have to. When they land, they get their next clue, which is essentially they have to get to this farm where they have to train a dog to run around these barrels and then they have to touch a horse which is more more dramatic than it sounds on paper i will say uh another challenge is another element to it is that they have to walk there noted that they had to you know on make your way on foot so that's something we haven't seen too much in recent seasons like making your way on foot to some destinations but uh, obviously it wasn't too far away uh but they had to get there and sort of the drama was that certain teams pick the older dogs because they're like, oh, they're going to be more trained. But it was the younger dog, Teddy, that was really the rock star. And everyone ended up choosing him to be their sort of uh, trainee in this course. And then obviously touching the horse, some of the teams were, I think Jasmine was running at the horse with the bag and everything. And that was just a fiasco because it was running away. And then she realized the strategy. Uh and sort of some of the teams, you know, Jasmine really struggling with the dog, really just giving it her all and not really trying other options as much as the other teams were. Um, but Joey, like, man, he killed it. He came in there. He's like, this is the dog. He did it. He ran out. And they were in first. So, like, one thing I loved about the leg was the fact that the order changed so much. You know, you have Tim and Rod. You know, Jasmine and Jerome got there first, but then they left their last. You know, Tim and Rod you know, to get there, get to the puzzle challenge first later on. So it really changed up a lot in this leg. And I thought that was really great to see. Yeah, definitely a big improvement over the last leg and nice to see the lead changing throughout. I loved the kind of 
older dog, younger dog fiasco here. Uh, just everything about this challenge was just really fun to watch and just just hilarious having these grown people yell like uh fluffy come here and 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 fluffy running away and jumping up on the barrel and then jasmine picking the most like the dog she picked initially sarge like the most morose like i don't want to be here i hate my life dog i think i've seen when, when she picks the one dog that's like lying down i suppose she thought it would be obedient but like the dog that has zero energy um obviously didn't want to do anything then she switches to elsa who's just as bad and elsa see it and elsa won't see it and i just grown people yelling out dogs names and chasing after them in this environment was just really um funny i got such a kick out of it um i love that they were kind of all in the same they made it look different but they're all in the same arena i was kind of wondering what's gonna happen here with the horse thing because it looked like all three teams tamed the same horse but what was the go if the teams were at that point at the same time was it at a matter of waiting your turn or what was going to happen there but we didn't get to see how that played out but yeah joey um smashing through this challenge um jasmine deciding to do a roadblock for once which was good to see and then um just teams making the smart decision here to switch dogs which i don't know if i agree that it should be an option and i felt sorry for uh teddy having to do um <laughs> more than a lot more than a day's work here i don't know also if i agreed with the whole get your dog up on the barrel but because teddy's a puppy you can just pick him up and place him on the barrel and be like yeah good job teddy um so, yeah, I don't know about that and, and, yeah, reusing dogs, but, um, like, it worked out. It was funny that every team had to do it with this one dog. I loved when Jasmine is doing it and then Teddy actually gets a hold of the bag that's on the stick and is trying to kind of, like, rip it off her. Um, just a really fun challenge, lighthearted. And at this moment, I'm, like, seriously thinking, are we going to get, like, the least likely scenario here of joey and viv winning like the whole race so like it was a legitimate possibility at this point in time yeah i was uh a little i think it was so funny that all the teams were like okay teddy worked for them so let me do it like everyone's mentality was it worked for them let me do it i don't mind i didn't mind the switching i just wish that it was kind of capped at like all right one switch or you know or you couldn't pick the dog that someone else had chosen. Like, you know, Viv and yeah. jo Joey got Teddy. And so Tim and Rod and Jasmine and Jerome, they couldn't pick Teddy either. So like Teddy was kind of locked off at one, uh, but there were so many dogs. Like it seemed like they had so much choice and options. So I'm like, just play. Like if you don't get it in five minutes with the first one, just switch, like the, just give it a go. Like there's like, a, there were at least a dozen dogs there. So they could have tried it out a lot with different ones. Uh, and yeah, the at this point, like Viv and Joey were so far ahead almost because like the other teams took a while to get this sorted out. Like they were so far ahead that we didn't like really see much from them. But obviously, they have their fiasco with the next challenge, um, where they have to get in a helicopter. A lot of transport this episode because they were in, they flew to the new uh, Northern Territory, then they get in a. Uh, a plane to jump out of, then they get in a helicopter, and then they're on a kayak. It was very crazy in terms of transport, but they get on the helicopter to go to this gorge. Do you know it? Did you remember it? Was it famous? Is it a landmark? 
I remember it from the intro and I think kind of all the um, visit and tea ads that have been running kind of throughout the season, I suppose, as a major sponsor. Um, but like it looked like the best place to go. I loved when I don't know who it was who asked, like, are there crocodiles in here? And then the person was like, yeah. Um, so that was a fun element, just a really breathtaking kind of iconic location. And um I think a great spot for a challenge. It, it added so much breadth in, in what you could do here. We had the kayaking, we had the running on the rocks. Like there was a lot happening here and, and a really nice spot to base um, the final challenge. Yeah, this final challenge was was quite a lot to it, more than I expected, but they had to get in the kayak, their canoe, whatever, and they had to paddle around. Who know? I don't even know quite define what region of where they had to paddle around but it seemed like a lot of area to cover and they had to find seven puzzle pieces to match the rest of the puzzle that was on the land and build this sort of tower that references legs or challenges or teams that were eliminated the flags of the countries wasn't quite sure what was what they had to know but there was sort of a breakdown from leg one kind of trickling all the way up to the top leg but sort of the main challenge because at one point everyone was at the same point of the puzzle and just kind of figuring that out took as much time as you needed but the real challenge was getting these puzzle pieces making sure you didn't miss any even joey spending like over an hour finding their last puzzle piece or whatever it was and then other teams you know jasmine and jerome getting it really quickly tim and rod nailing it even though they got their second they sort of surpassed Viv and joey and then jasmine and jerome passed them again uh my one critique about finding these puzzle pieces is that they were very, you know, they used earth tones for these puzzle pieces and they just blend in to the background. So I guess I, I don't fault Viv and Joey for not seeing it, but it just like blends in so well that I don't know how they could have found them. Yeah, I feel like the colors here were a little bit unfair not so much that i think it cost anybody the race um because there was so much time that all like the teams were spending on the puzzle that it was really anybody's game at that point but definitely viv and joey's color i think blended in the most um then probably followed by tim and rod and then jerome and jasmine with like the silver i think stood out not uh, a whole lot but definitely more than the other two colors so i feel like they lucked out um color wise and it would be interesting to know kind of what the criteria was behind that and whether teams had a choice in what color they got or if it was pre-assigned to them but just a really interesting challenge with like you said so many changes in the lead we have viv and joey get there first and then the, the last teams get to the puzzle um tim and rod are their second and then they overtake into the first team to get to the puzzle and then jerome and jasmine are right behind them and i felt like just the whole sequence was really well edited for the most part i think i had issues with them not showing us what exactly went into each puzzle piece and we get got no idea of like um any team struggling with what went into each leg it felt like the struggle was putting the puzzle together but as for like remembering stuff it just made it look like everybody sorted their puzzle pieces out really easily with no issues we got no um like checks in how many they had correct what was wrong what they needed to change um 
I, yeah, I just thought it was well edited in the sense that they made it really look like Tim and Rod were struggling. They got to the puzzle first. Um, we get this confessional from Viv and Joey when they get to the puzzle that Jerome and Jasmine have kind of something going on. Tim and Rod have nothing at all. And like it felt at this point that Viv and Joey maybe were going to overtake again. The way it was edited, it looked like they were getting their puzzle together really quickly. Um, so lots of suspense at, at this point in time uh, in the leg. Yeah, and uh, what was it? Viv and not Viv and Joey. Tim and Rod were saying like, "Good thing we got here first. We're awful at puzzles." Uh, so obviously there was a lot of suspense. It's, you know, Viv and Joey seemed like they were like, these are the puzzles, something that we're good at. Like, this is something that we can do. Uh, but obviously all teams were struggling at one point. They sort of didn't really understand the pattern of how things were going to go and, and where things were going to get placed. Um, my critique of the puzzle is that it was just you build one chunk the same way as the other chunks, and then you just stack them on top of each other. It wasn't really a one cohesive puzzle. That, that sort of worked together. It was just, just, you know, layered puzzle that they sort of had to fill out one piece at a time and just stack. Mm. I don't know, too, if, like, there were extra pieces or decoy pieces. I don't, like, remember if they explained that or not, but it felt like there needed to be some sort of suspense or challenge in the, like, getting the right pieces for each leg. Um, it just felt like the difficulty level wasn't right there. Maybe it was and they just didn't show it. Um, because of time or that it was kind of difficult to explain. But like I said before, I just feel like every team straight away, they got there, they sorted out their puzzles into the six different um, categories and, and they were good to go from there on. Yeah, it seemed like the only challenge was putting the pieces together. Like it didn't seem like there was an issue of like, oh, do we do this in this country? Do we do this in Africa? Or was that, mm -hmm. no, no, we didn't do that. Like it just didn't seem like that was what the challenge was for them, even though like they put it into like the task and obviously there's a reason that the nuns are faces are on the block like they just didn't seem to activate it enough or at least like you said show it enough for us yeah well no even like no from what we saw there was nobody there to check that they had it right obviously you'd have producers out of camera checking that things are right but there wasn't even a moment where tim and rod get their puzzle first and there's this like oh, do they have it right? Don't they have it right? Somebody's coming around looking at the pieces and, and the order and whatnot. Um, it was just, yep, together, and they just run, like, straight off um, to, to the next spot. It was good, though, at this point of the race, though, that all the teams were still in it to win it. Like, no one seemed to be a far and away ahead or no one really was out of it. You know, you worry at some points, like, Viv and Joey were so out of it or Viv and Joey were so ahead that you were like, oh, it's going to be like a landslide or, or something so obvious. But it was so good to have all the teams together, you know. We have some times where the race is just so scattered where some teams are winning, some teams aren't. Like, you know, some show, some seasons have it where, like, one team is out of it and stuff like that. So it was good to have them all together in this final challenge. Yeah, I think handy, too, like you said before, that we lost Tom and Tyler before the final leg. Yeah, they would have probably... Well, who knows? They may have struggled at a puzzle. Yeah, I feel like everything else in in like throughout the episode, they would have like excelled at and had no problem with finding and sorting the newspapers. I think like racing wise, they would have got to kind of all the stands first and picked out the pieces and like would have found it easy to swim out to the float and back. And then uh, the 
um, parachuting as well. They, I don't think they would have had any issues with that. Um, the dog, whether or not they figured out that you need to pick Teddy to get the challenge done. Um, and that like the kayaking as well was really physical. So I'm sure they would have smashed that out. But like you said, this was a real equalizer. Um, and definitely even if they were in this final leg in the head, I think would have kind of brought them back to the rest of the field a bit. Yeah. And then there's the dramatic ending where, you know, they editing, they show us having all the teams relatively within minutes having the puzzle and they're all running to the pit stop. But like you said, they were running on all these unsteady rocks and, and they had to figure out where they were going. They could sort of sense them in the area, but they didn't quite know where they were in the scourge. Um, we didn't really get a resolution about where they were in relation to the challenge, but like that was extra dramatic. Like, you have to figure out on foot where the other, you know, where Bo is and the pit stop and everything. You have to sense it. And you, I don't know if they told the other eliminated teams to not cheer beforehand because, you know, sometimes in the U.S. you hear the cheering before you even know that the teams, like, arrived at the pit stop and stuff like that. So, like, they were extra quiet, too. So, like, added extra tension about who was going to check in first. Uh, I mean, no real surprise that, the team that finished the puzzle first got to the pit stop first, but you know, you try to add suspension suspense to the episode with the dramatic music and everything. Uh, but we get our non-traditional all-male team winning it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, were you pegging anyone kind of going into this? I was pegging Jerome and Jasmine to win just because they got the most story about their son and all this kind of stuff. They felt like they had the, the journey edit for everything. Like if we're looking at edgic, the journey uh, story going on here. And I feel like the other teams quite didn't have it as much. So maybe going in, I was like thinking Jerome and Jasmine could do it, but obviously they didn't. I don't know what your thoughts on that were. No, I definitely agree. I thought there were so many kind of moments throughout with their son. I thought like the U-turning Tom and Tyler was a really pivotal moment. It definitely felt like they had the biggest story behind them as well, just like the start of the episode with the build-up of it's their home territory and, oh, like, like there's, there was the joke about, like, Tom and Tyler, like, well, bloody Tom and Tyler, like, um, losing at the statue and letting Jerome and Jasmine get through to the final. Um, so, yeah, it definitely felt like the story was really um, pushing the audience to, to root for them and want them to win. I felt like we were going to get that payoff, particularly at the start of the episode where they get so far ahead. Um, so yeah, story-wise, it, it maybe didn't go according to plan. But I think um, logic-wise, with the history of uh, the Amazing Race Australia, we just picked the wrong all-male male team um, to uh, take take out the title. Yes, uh, unfortunately, we still have yet to get a woman to win the Amazing Race Australia. Um, before we was going on, I was thinking like what had, has been the most women in the finale and this season has been the there's been the most women. We've had three. Every other season was two. I think the first season we had the, the all-female team. Second time we had the all-female team. Third time there were two male-female teams. And this time we had... What, what? Where am I getting three? We only had two. Never mind. No, it's still two. Um... Yeah, so we on par for max amount of women in the finale. There seems to be some sort of statistic going on here. But 
yeah, unfortunately we can't have a woman yet. Maybe, maybe you'll get a, a woman on your team and you'll, you'll win. Maybe like, what's the, like, what's the biggest streak? Like we've had, like in, in other versions of the show, like it'd be interesting to know, but yeah, it definitely feels overdue. Um, Although this is, uh, I suppose, season one, so you could say that they're the first male male uh, uh, winners. So there's definitely room for um, improvement in that happening. I think it's like it's it was a possi- it was a real possibility here. It didn't feel like everything was uh, necessarily geared towards uh, a, a male team winning. It felt like the challenges in the finale were fair enough. Um, so it was, yeah, it was interesting too. I think the way they edited this final race to the pit stop because we see like race on foot, and then we get this one shot straight away of Tim and Rod kind of clambering over like rocks, seemingly like going in whatever direction, trying to find where Bo is. But then every other shot we get of the teams racing to the pit stop, whether it be Tim and Rod again or Jerome and Jasmine, Viv and Joey, they're all on these paths, um, like noticeable footpaths racing to the end. It felt like they hyped up this navigate to the pit stop, but it felt like it was really just to follow the path from the challenge um, that they kind of hyped up for entertainment value. Yeah, there doesn't. I'm looking quickly at the U.S. season to ter- to see if there's like a trend in terms of winners. There really isn't much. Like I think three um, male female teams in a row is the mount- most consistency, like the greatest consistency I see. So mm-hmm. not too much. Although on there, you know, there was a a woman was a winner on the third season of the U.S. and we're four seasons in, we haven't had one yet. So. You know, Canada's had female winners at this point in the race as well. So Australia, get get better teams. <laughs> or just don't cast the all super strong all-male teams. Anyway, th- talking about, we have to talk about our, our winners. Tim and Rod. Tim and Rod. Tim and Rod. Tim and Rod. The super strong team, like they survived the U-turn vote earlier in the season. They managed to come back. They sort of dominated on the, you know, when Tom and Tyler were fading away, they really seemed to rise to the challenge and they were... You know, clear front runners after that. Not clear, but like they were strong front runners. And yeah, just an all around super strong team. They didn't seem super out of it at any point in the race ever. So good on them. Yeah, just very consistent uh, throughout the race. I feel like they never really seemed as as threatening as as other teams made out but you look at then kind of similar to like i mean tom and tyler's worst finishes fourth but tim and rod their worst place was was fifth and really from like leg six onward they have like three second places in a row um and then we kind of see them close out obviously with two first places in a row on leg 11 and 12 so just always in amongst um the other teams their alliance with sid and ash was definitely Definitely um, a fun thing to see to rival kind of the alliance of every other team that was working together. Um, and yeah, coming back from from the U-turn um, to finish so high in the leg that they do um, receive the U-turn vote. Uh, just, yeah, really strong throughout. We never saw like their relationship break down either. Um, and like they were made to look like they would struggle at things in like the advertisements leading up with the big um, sewing the shirt drama, um, the, the big stitch up for Tim and Rod. 
that never happened. Uh, Tim freaking out about jumping out of the plane that, that never happened. Just a really strong team to watch, plenty of personality and nice to see that they were able to um, keep level heads and, and not kind of uh, blame each other for any uh, mistake through, throughout the race. And to do the equal amount of roadblocks mm-hmm. per member. So really they should have won by default uh, based on that. Yeah, well, while we're on the t- subject of these roadblocks, uh, I'll let you go on about how the roadblock rules not as consistent as we, we thought that maybe it should be. Yeah, I like, like I'll complain about it and continue to complain about it. It's not like the be all and end all, obviously, but obviously, but like the rule was brought in for a reason. So you couldn't have teams where one person was super physical, uh, the other person wasn't, and um, they were just beast through the challenges. We saw it obviously with Colin and Chrissy their first time round. It's not so much of an issue in the Amazing Race Australia because you're not getting a roadblock on every single leg. We only got eight of them throughout 12 legs, but it's still a large amount um, to have teams banking on the one person finishing it. And the discrepancy of six and two for both um, Jerome and Jasmine and Viv and Joey um, is a little bit of a question mark and hopefully something they can address moving forward. I don't think... um, it would have changed anything, particularly with Jasmine and Jerome. I think she was equally capable here. We did see the moment where Joey smashed out a couple of roadblocks to put um, their team ahead of the pack, so maybe it would have been different if they had to do an equal amount. But um, in the end, didn't make a massive difference to the race, but something definitely I think that is worthwhile fixing moving forward just so you can't have these teams where one person um, just dominates and, and, and completely carries the other person throughout the entire race. I think it adds to the drama of choosing based on a couple of words as well as to whether somebody should do it or not. Um, it makes it a lot more strategic and, and definitely mm, um, just, yeah, I think it should just be a staple of, of the of the show in kind of all versions and formats. Yeah, just to make it a little fair and equalize it a little bit more. Because you don't want... The reason they brought it in is because one of the teams that won had that thing where only one person did a roadblock and the other person did all 10 or 11 or whatever it was. And then just became unfair. So I think a little bit of monitoring. It doesn't have to be like you can't do more than two or four or whatever. It Just be consistent. Keep it relatively equal. Um, I know that you try and suit the challenge towards whoever needs but there's no way that six of the roadblocks were all toward Jerome and then Jasmine only had two sorted to order like it, it just seems a little off but uh, yeah definitely something another thing to add on to the ever growing list we have of things to correct for the next season <laughs> obviously I think there's no better way to end the this season of the amazing race Australia then with a large group hug. <laughs> um, I was okay with this. I was like, there's no more appropriate way that he would end it, Bo would end the show than with a group hug. It felt like it was right and, and okay in this situation. Um, and definitely made up, I feel, for his lackluster, uh, your team number one moment. <laughs> yeah. Which is just like, Tim and Rod, you're the first team, you've won the Amazing Race Australia or something along those lines. I was like, there was, I'm like, where was his big Tim and Rod? You are the... 
first team to check into that. Like it was even like less than than that suspense that we got like this time around. Uh, like I understand there's not a whole heap of suspense to the team, obviously, because they know they're first at this point. But like this is the big moment of like four continents and this, that, whatever else, how many, how many kilometers, how many challenges, how many teams. Um, and then the big, like your team number one, like big, like yell moment. Uh, but we just didn't get that. So, um, adding that to the list of things for season five as well. I want a big Grant Bowler-esque, your team number one, uh, for the first team to check in at that final pit stop. Yeah, unfortunately, a lackluster entry. And he didn't even follow his traditional, yeah, like you said, you're the first team to sh- Like, there, there's no consistency on this. Uh, and then Jasmine and Jerome come in and they're like, you are the runners-up of the amazing rate. Like, it was just so weird. Uh, yeah, and it's just a fun way to end the show for him. Uh, this is his last time hosting. I'm okay with the group hug being the last thing we think of him. Yeah, it's definitely, this is one of those things I think will be interesting to see uh, next season, whether um, his hosting provided provided those back, whether his hosting style changes um, at all, uh, depending on like the public opinion of the hugs and this, that, whatever else. I don't think it's going to. I think the hugs are here to stay, unfortunately. I hope that he... um, continues the trend of bring it in and makes it less awkward than it needs to be um hug every team show him hugging every team or otherwise show him hugging no teams keep it consistent throughout and um he's definitely Bo's definitely i feel like he's grown into the role as the race went on um we can complain about his wording of teams checking in but really it's just a small complaint overall he's done great at advertising the challenges beforehand has been fun his interactions with the pit stop greeters and locals has been kind of a highlight as well and he definitely feels like he's found his groove over the 12 legs i'm looking at it now i'm in total agreement with you i'm looking right now at the the wikipedia where it shows the final challenge like the puzzle of the correct answers Mm-hmm. And it's like you have the country, you have the currency, you have some challenges, locations, and teams eliminated. I'm, I don't even know what the hell the challenge was now looking at this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's it. We got. I agree that that wasn't well like advertised or. Um, like we said, drawn out or, or pointed out as to whether teams were getting things correct or, or wrong when sorting the puzzle pieces. Well, we can only hope for a better challenge next season. Yeah. Take note, for Amazing Race producers. So let us go to our ratings of the season of the of the last two episodes. Uh, what are you going to do, episode eleven and twelve? Episode 11, I'm going to be in, I think, the last kind of 10 minutes, five minutes were really exciting and interesting. But other than that, I felt like it was really poor race design to have a U-turn vote so late in the piece. Um, And the challenges themselves, while... I think interesting in theory didn't play out and we didn't see a whole heap of lead changes until the end. And I felt like the race itself, that leg came down to a like bad taxi. So 
I don't think the challenges themselves were the creators of any drama there. So it's a definite bin for me. Um, the finale, it's kind of a toss up between a rent and a buy. I think I'll lean towards a buy because I feel like they addressed a lot of the issues from the previous leg. There are plenty of lead changes throughout. I mean, there was a point where I thought Viv and Joey were winning the whole thing. So props to the editing and, um, like small issues with the puzzle, but I think overall the challenges themselves were really interesting to watch and, and provided plenty of, of suspense that they, they, they didn't really have to manu- manufacture these storylines that didn't happen. I think I'm going to break my streak on the final week here because I famously have done the same ranking on all other weeks for the first episode and then the second episode of the week. This time I'm going to have two separate ones for the first one. I'm actually going to rent the first uh, Lang just because I wasn't spoiled on the Tom and Tyler being U-turned. So that really gave a lot of drama for me. Like I didn't expect that at all. So that gave a lot. And that final foot race was just so dramatic. So I, I think those two real things really made up for sort of a lackluster leg. And in terms of the finale, I was leaning towards a rent initially, but hearing you talk about it, I think I'm going to switch to the buy just because of the order changing mattered so much. And a lot of the teams, you know, you know, every team was at first in this leg and every team was in last at some point in the leg. So it really mattered and really changed things up. So, and it was just a fun way to end the race. And I think that there was no major issues outside of that puzzle being confusing as hell. So a rent and then a buy and... I'm going to assume that Colin would buy both of them because he loves The Amazing Race Australia. Big fan, devotes lots of time to watching it. Um, is part of the strong viewership crowd, which I have to say for the finale, we've got the largest viewership fig- figures of the season. It ranked fourth of the night. So uh, well done and um, excited to see if they can build on that in season five. Yes. Well, we'll see you. Well, you won't be here because you'll be on the season, of course. So. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll know exact uh, predictions. You don't send your predictions for that. <laughs> uh, but let's speaking of predictions, let's get to our preseason predictions for this season. So going into the finale, you were by far and away leading the charge. But maybe things will change. Maybe you got destroyed at the final final leg here. But we have Tom and Tyler. Our winner picks are him in fourth place. Since we both predicted him in first, we were three places off. And Colin lovingly put them in ninth, so he's way <laughs> off. And so we get the point for that. Uh, coming in third, we have Viv and Joey. Let's see, Colin put Viv and Joey coming in second, so he was one off. You put Viv and Joey at eighth, so you were quite a way off. And I said Viv and Joey would come in third, so I was right on the money. I get the point for that one. Going on to Jasmine and Jerome. Colin said Jasmine and Jerome would come in fourth, so he's very close. You said Jasmine and Jerome would come in sixth, so you were quite a ways off. And I said Jasmine and Jerome would come in second, so I get another point for that. And our winners, Tim and Rod. Colin said Tim and Rod would come in fifth, so not too far. You said Tim and Rod would come in fourth. 
And I said Tim and Rod would come in fourth. So we both uh, flip-flopped the winners in fourth place here. So as a result, we both get the point on that one. And now at the final point tally, Colin ends up with one point. Which is fair. (laughs) Which is the one point that we all shared. Because we all got the nuns finishing in 10th place. So that's the one point we all shared. So he didn't even get it on his own. Uh, you ended up with seven points total. And I ended up with seven points total. So we tied. There you go. That just shows the commitment that we put in, recapping every week. I think it's only fitting that... um. The lead is shared. I was, uh, I kind of Tom and Tyler'd myself a little bit here with doing so well so early and then, yeah. oh no, big, big threat. Um, tried to get the social connections to uh, keep it together. You um, turned at the end there, but uh, managed to, to hold on to um, an equal first place finish. Yeah, you were the Tom and Tyler. You fizzled out toward the end. I was the Tim and Rod. Came up super strong toward the end. And uh, Colin was Alana and Nico off in some other country. (laughs) (laughs) Or the nuns doing something crazy. But yeah, that is it for us. Can you believe it? We finished. I cannot. Like, I've said it so many times and, like, I hate keep bringing it up, but it's gone so fast. I think the two episodes a week works really well. Um, I like that format. I hope they stick to that next season and don't try anything stupid like three episodes a week. <laughs> um, fingers crossed it, it just continues to be a staple for the network that fits in really well, kind of wherever it's programmed into their yearly schedule. I could easily see them doing two seasons a year um, if it works out budget-wise which it should because they don't give any prizes to you if you win legs and only 250000 at the end. So I think two seasons a year is, is definitely achievable and something that, um, fingers crossed, we can kind of get moving forward. Yes, and we will have a lot to look forward to when, whenever season five comes out. Uh, we hope that it imp- only improves upon what we already had for a great base this season. Uh, some complaints, but it was so fun to chat through this whole season, um, especially following, you know, a little bit of a gap on Amazing Race with the U.S. kind of taking its long break and then sort of 31 coming out really quickly and then getting through it. But it was so fun to chat to you and then call on that one time. <laughs> but yeah, to finish the Amazing Race is really another, another season down and we look forward to future Amazing Race seasons. I think the U.S. is coming next, right? Um, who knows? Who, who knows what what the U.S. season is doing? It seems like um, they'll probably make a decision a week before it views and then start quickly advertising. Um, with it's going to be weird having advertising without major spoilers. Um, we'll have to get used to it again. No more Tim and Rod, Tim and Rod, Tim and Rod, Tim and Rod, and um, Chris falling off camels and uh, just uh, Tom and Tyler being U-turned. It's going to be really difficult getting you back used to advertising that builds up suspense without um, revealing what actually happens throughout the episode. Yeah, so we'll either be here for season 32 of the U.S. or season 8 of Canada, whatever comes first. 
uh, we will be here to cover it. Um, but yeah, stay tuned to all things Oz Network, whatever Star Wars coverage, um, other things that are not Star Wars, listen to them. And yeah, we will see you whenever we see you. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.